What's up, everybody? Welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jerry Scarlato, and today we get to talk to Lieutenant Matt Wilson. I've known Matt for a long time. He has been the epitome of what I would like to call a disciplined person. At the age of 12, when I met him, he was disciplined in becoming the best 12-year-old he could be. In high school, he was disciplined in becoming the best basketball player he could be. In college, he was disciplined to become the best basketball player he could be in college. And now in the Army, he is disciplined in becoming the best Army person that he can be um, moving forward. So you'll get a lot out of this conversation. He tells us about the best ways that we can start to implement discipline into our lives, how that creates more freedom in our lives, how that will open up our potential so much. Um, this conversation is very wide ranging in those areas. So very excited about it. Fair warning though, very fair warning. Matt is currently stationed in Alaska. If you don't know, Alaska is very far away and their internet connection is generally not very good. So, um, the video is what it is. It's grainy. It breaks in and out from time to time. Um, the audio, I think, is pretty clear, so I think you should be able to hear it pretty well. Um, but fair warning on the video, I, I think he dropped like twice during the conversation. So if you see some breaks in the conversation and they're very weird cuts, that's why that is. Um, so fair warning, that's going to be there. But it's a very important conversation. So that's why we're bringing it to you. So enjoy this talk with Lieutenant Matt Wilson. You got you going hunting later today? You look like you're all geared up. Well, it's it's. Uh, I mean, you have a nice T-shirt on. I haven't been able to wear a T-shirt, and probably. Well, obviously, I've worn a T-shirt underneath all the clothes, but there's still uh, four feet of snow in my yeah. yard. So. Uh, it's it's cold out here, yeah. Um, and just you know, just layered up, you know, out here trying to survive. The struggle, man. Yeah. It's... So when does it get warm, or uh, what is warm? Warm, well, summer is anywhere between sixties, high seventies. I think it dipped. It got up into eighties, maybe once last year. Um. Yeah, it was just once. Um, like when you're when you've been this cold, like not really this cold for. I mean, winter's long. You get used to it. I mean, uh, going to your truck, and it's negative twelve is like pretty normal. Um, so you just get used to it. Mm -hmm. So when it's like when it's forty degrees out and the sun's out, you're like a lizard outside, and you're hot. Like we were. We were working in uh, in our motor pool yesterday. Mm -hmm. What's that? The sun. The sun um, it's like where we keep all of our trucks at. Okay. It's like our maintenance. Uh, our maintenance. It's our, it's the garage. Got it. There. Got it. Um. So we were outside, and I had a bunch. I took a new position, and we're doing a bunch of inventories of all equipment, and every all our equipment's laid out. And I'm looking over at all my soldiers, and they all had their their like blouse tops off and they're in their t-shirts just tanning and i'm like guys it's still it's 39 degrees right now <laughs> but there's like it's hot out but that's hot, hot sir yeah it's hot yeah 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 how does it feel to have people call you sir um it's a little different 
especially when you have the 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 forty year old man, fifty, so not fifty, but like because it's a 40s. wide range, I'm sure. Yeah, so uh, right anywhere between like forty, like right around there, they have like three kids, and you're like, I'm just a young <laughs> lieutenant, first lieutenant, and. Mm-hmm. 20, 25 years old, but why mm-hmm. are you calling, actually calling you, sir, and plus, like, their years of service, they have 15 plus years of service, you're like, why, why are you calling me, sir, what have I done mm-hmm. to kind of deserve that, but it's just, it's just mm-hmm. how it works, I mean. It's just the rank. It's just the rank, yeah. Which has nothing to do with years of service, it has to do with what you've gone through, like, what defines your rank, I guess. Like, what makes um, you a first lieutenant versus someone who's been in for 15 years? Like, I know so, what graduating from West Point gives you a certain distinction already, right? Yeah, so graduating from a commissioning source, so whether that's uh, officer candidate school, uh, the academies like West Point, uh, the Air Force and the Air Force side, and then the Naval Academy on the Naval, Navy side. And then you can go uh, ROTC, which is – there's a bunch of ROTC programs in – all the, the colleges. So if you graduate from a commissioning source, um, they will, like, you get commissioned to the rank of second lieutenant. And I'm actually about to hit my three-year uh, time and service date um, on May 23rd. So wow. $700 raise. <laughs> All right, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll take Big it. Big bucks. Um, seriously. Um, but... Yeah, so normally you you think Army, you think of the guys when they're like 15 years of service. Um, Those are your guys that went straight out of high school, didn't go to college, um, and and they kind of went up through the ranks. But along the way through the ranks, they have to attend college or attend get so many credits or do X, Y, and Z in order to progress to the next rank. They get these – they, they call them points. They basically get points for achievements, and they have to get so many points. And those points each year can fluctuate on just depending on what the Army needs, mm-hmm. um, whether you promote or not, if that makes sense. It does. So I'm assuming it's partly years of service, but it's also – so it sounds like it's also like education that you've gone through and – just other tasks that you've done. So like you going to army ranger school was a voluntary thing. It's not something that you had to do, but it's something that added a badge onto your, um, shirt, if you will. Yeah. So So that's like an example of that, but that's not a, that's not a rank per se. No, it's, it's more of like a qualification. Hmm. So there's a, like other schools, like obviously ranger school, um, like airborne air assault, Mm-hmm. Uh, in order, in order for me to be in this unit that I'm in, I have to be airborne qualified. So I had to go to airborne mm-hmm. school and mm-hmm. jump out of perfectly good airplanes, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is it, is it, is it, is an event and experience in and of itself? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's there's, there's, I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts about about jumping out of airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they start with? What do they start with? Oh, geez. what do your thoughts um, start with? <laughs> your first experience jumping out of an airplane, like 
Okay, so first experience, um, a lot of excitement, a lot of like. I mean, I was scared to death. Um, <laughs> I, I was like, "What am I gonna do when I get close to the door?" But you just realize. So, like, you, like, are all stacked up in a line, and they just mass exit everyone. So, you don't have time to think. You used to see no. the guy in front of you walking, and you just go. No option. And they've trained you. They do a, such a good job of training. Like, you do two, three weeks of training. They teach you everything up until, like, how to fall. There is – so, ground week is one of the weeks in airborne school. Ground week, I think I fell on the ground like practice falling yeah probably close to 300 times a day and when you say practice falling you mean like literally standing up to falling down like or like, like falling yes, off of from, a height so so everything everything in the army is walk crawl or yeah walk crawl run and they obviously they or i'm sorry crawl walk run crawl walk run yeah 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 um so like, like we'll start a little bit um they'll start you're you're just feet on the ground you're just practicing kind of hitting the body parts that you're supposed to hit when you fall then they move you up to a three-foot ledge and then they'll move you up to um a stand that's like five feet and that you're like actually like hooked up into a cable and it's kind of like a zip line and then you fall um and they, they you practice like front and backwards like falling front and back um then they'll hook you up to uh another system that basically drops you when you don't know when you're going to be dropped. And uh -huh. yeah, so like you like actually jump off of a, a ledge. It's like probably 15 feet up in the air, come swinging down and you like kind of hang there, swing out and then swing back and then they'll drop you. Um, there's also a tower that you jump out of that kind of simulates how you're supposed to exit the aircraft. But I mean, it's really cool and it's really exciting. Uh, every time I still get the nerves of, oh my gosh, I'm jumping out of an airplane. Um, even even in like operations, uh, like this past one we did, where we jumped out up in Fairbanks, which is like, it was an hour flight north. But I mean, we, I mean, you're hooked up to, I had a, a rucksack and they hook it up to your, your equipment rings, which is are kind of near your legs. So your ruck is like on your legs mm -hmm. most of the time. And you can, you, when you, uh, when you actually jump out of the airport or the airplane, everything's designed. So where you can like pull it and your ruck will drop and it's drop. connected to a, an, a line. And, um, so you're supposed to drop your stuff, your equipment a hundred feet above ground. Well, it's kind of scary when you're jumping out at night because you can't see the ground. So, you just kind of just guess, so I just <laughs> drop it. But I jumped out this last one. This is the part that's scary, and this is the part that I don't necessarily like. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a obviously bigger dude, 250 pounds right now. Mm -hmm. I'm jumping a rucksack that I, when I jumped in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I when I jumped out of the airplane, I jumped out with a 100 pound rucksack. Huh. So I'm You're at 350 pounds. pounds. Plus the weight of the parachute, which, I mean, I forget the exact weight, but I was pushing over 400 pounds out of the airplane. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the year before, they had to make me take equipment out of my ruck and give it to other people. So yeah. that way, so that way uh, I could get pulled back into the airplane with the cable if I was a tow jumper. 
Otherwise, it wouldn't have been able to. Correct. Um, but this time, I didn't really get the opportunity. Everything yeah. was just so fast paced. So I was just like, "All right, well, I'm not going to say anything." So yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna send this thing. Luckily, I jumped out. I went. Usually, you go out head first, but since or I'm sorry, usually you go out feet first. But since my ruck weighs so much, I went out head first, which was super <laughs> super sketchy. I'm um, sure. Like I get out, I'm like, I look up, I'm like, oh, sweet, I don't have any twists in my canopy, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm falling super fast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because you're like I an arrow kinda, at that point. Yeah, you're just a, it's a lawn dart. Yeah. <laughs> just screaming, screaming to the earth. Um, but yeah, I get close to the ground, drop my equipment, and this is what I do like about jumping in Alaska is there's never too much snow. And... <laughs> I, I landed in probably five feet of snow, and it was the softest landing I've ever had. <laughs> now, if there wasn't snow there, I my legs might have uh, <laughs> may, I mean, may crumbled. They may have, yeah, they may yeah. have crumbled. Six ten crumbles hard. <laughs> yeah, when you're coming down to the earth at that speed. Yeah. 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 Um, Exciting times. So you said a bunch of things in there and this is something that like i've never had a chance to ask you you hear me yeah like so you have this incredible capability and i don't know if it's just like (laughs) the lenny in you that's like i I just gotta go do it (laughs) like uh, here i go or if it's like a an internal drive in you but like like there have been many points in your life where you're like, Jerry, I hate this. Like whatever this is, whatever I'm doing, like whenever you started beast, I remember talking mm-hmm. to you and like you were maybe a week into it and you're like, this is terrible. I hate it. I don't like it at all. Um, you're crying. You're upset. Whenever you left the gym, like I remember you leaving the gym, upset, crying, like, I don't want to go. Like what compels you to push through that? Cause that's what you're saying right now is like, I hate, not hate. You didn't say hate, but like, I don't like jumping out of an airplane, but like, here I go. Got to do it. Oh gosh. Um, Cause you did it at a young age and I don't know that you realize that like you've pushed yourself and I've, I was blessed to do that with you for a lot of it. But like, like you pushed yourself through a lot of things at a young age, things that like, are tough to do, like mm-hmm. starting to train and improve yourself at seven in seventh grade. Like that's tough to do, uh, no matter who you are. And you did that in the weight room at the time you were doing it at football, going to football coaching, going to maybe pitching coaching, going to basketball practice. Like, like, was that a, like your parents ingrained that in you? Did you like, do you feel like that was kind of an eight to a degree? Like, what does that look like? I mean, well, to start off, um, I know I rambled a lot. I would say, yeah, no, no, no. Um, I would say my parents, yeah, had a lot to do with that, especially my mother. She's a very driven Mm -hmm. woman. She's always instilled into me like hard work and kind of reaching and working, doing everything you can to achieve a goal. And I'm, I'm very goal oriented, uh, and I'm a perfectionist. So I tried to prepare myself in order to achieve those goals, but also 
get as close as I can to perfection in the process of achieving those goals, if that makes sense. Um, but yes, yeah, starting on, I mean, I set the goal for myself that I wanted to be a Division One football player very early, probably like sixth grade. I, I dreamed about being a Michigan football player. Obviously, you know, God had other plans for me, and it quickly switched to basketball. Um, but I just – I knew I wanted to be a Division One basketball player, um, and I just kind of got – it was ingrained in me that I was – I mean, me, myself, ingrained – I got ingrained in myself that I was going to do anything I could to achieve that. And so I guess that translated over to what I'm doing now, what I've done as far as like what I, because obviously there are things along the way that I didn't like to. You there? Take a pause because I can't hear you. There? Oh, there you are. Bam. Oh, okay. New location. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm closer to the router now. Um, where'd I leave off? Would would I? Uh, you were transitioning from uh, how your drive from high school and being the best basketball player and being a D1 basketball player in high school, um, then translated into what you're doing now. Okay. Yeah. So basically, I feel like. The, like I set the goal and mm -hmm. I did everything I could to get to that goal. And in, along that way, I went through a lot of things that I necessarily, I guess, didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. And I guess that was ingrained in me and it translates over to now what I'm doing of, it's like I have a goal or a job that I have to do. Now I want to be the best that I can at it. And that's always been my thing is I want to be the best I can. I want to be, I'm a perfectionist. So it's like, I want to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And that's just been my thing. It's like, once I get a task or a goal, a job, I just do everything I can to set myself up for success. And, and basically I just kind of put my head down and I guess grind it out. I don't know. Um, what gets you to push through like, like that moment you called me and I'm sure you did this with every, you know, your family, your friends, but like that moment you called me when you were in the middle of beast and like, you're ready to just be done Yeah, to be done. Like there, there were times during probably just that conversation, but definitely, definitely just weeks after that, like, you're like, uh, like you would convince yourself to transfer or leave or do whatever why like how how do you push like how do you decide no this is the path that i chosen to take like is that it like this is the path i chosen to take and i got a man up and i gotta do it or what is that i guess i mean it probably sends back i mean you probably saw it multiple times in the gym when i couldn't lift a weight or like mm -hmm. i couldn't lift this specific weight and i hated failure mm -hmm. and I think that's what was set in my mind was that I would be a failure if I didn't go through West Point or I didn't 
finish beast, didn't finish ranger school, or didn't finish X, Y, or Z, in my mind, I'd be a failure. And to me, that's probably the most embarrassing thing for me. What do you think about yourself? What I think about myself or necessarily, I mean, am I caught up in what other people think about me? Not as much, but also I don't like, I mean, there was a lot, um, like my parents, they invested a lot of time and money taking me to practices, paying for training sessions, whether that was lifting or basketball or take like football, stuff like that. Um, they did a lot for me. So I felt like a lot, they had invested a lot. And if I were just to up and quit because I didn't like it or I was uncomfortable or it was just, how do I say it? Like not what I wanted. I don't know. I just didn't seem fair to them. And I felt like I'd be failing them or I'd be failing just other people too that, I mean, like yourself, I mean, you spent a lot of time with me. I mean, in the gym and like going through some of these things, it's like, well, I don't want to let people down. And that's another thing too, is I try to hold myself to a a very high standard. And part of that is because I don't like disappointing people. I don't like disappointing people. I don't like disappointing myself. And I definitely don't like failing at things. Hmm. Um, But yeah. Yeah. I can totally attest to that by the way, all of those things that you just said, I can a hundred percent attest to all of it. Mm-hmm. So I see it. I mean, I totally, totally see it. And I, I can say that the amount of times that you've probably let people down are much smaller than you, you tell yourself. Cause you know, we're our own worst critic critics. So we think that, you know, we let our, this thing happen. And so now I'm letting these people down when really in reality, their perception of what you're doing is much different and probably like they're still thinking about how much you're growing and thriving anyway. But to go back to your, um, like where you are now. So like you always, you've been a structured discipline person. Do you feel like, like once you got into the army, that's even more structured and disciplined than anything that you had ever lived through before that? How did that help or hinder you? Honestly, I think it's been now. Yes. The army more structured and disciplined, hundred percent, obviously the most structured and disciplined I've specifically West point was, I mean, down to, Oh, Hey, I have a white glove. They wipe your sink and there's dust on it. Uh, <laughs> you, you fail your inspection. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that was every day kind of thing. But being disciplined, structured and disciplined growing up, I think it just allowed me to kind of hit the ground running. And I, I think I thrive in structure and discipline. I thrive having a routine. I'm a very, like, I love routines. I don't mm-hmm. like change. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, routines, they, I thrive in them. I just get up, do the same thing over and over again. Um, it gets boring. And there's a lot of times, like, I'm, am I transitioning into – wanting some not freedom but <laughs> would i want some uh a change of pace of course i mean after doing everything for so long mm-hmm. um, but i still think that 
to some aspect. I cannot, I cannot, it's just not in me to not have, to be structured, disciplined in some facet of my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk about, I, maybe it's a OCD or I don't know, but I mean, you saw me before basketball games, especially mm-hmm. in high school, I would eat the same meal mm-hmm. before every game. I would stretch the same way. I'd listen to the same pregame song. I'd wear specific socks. I would do this, that, or the other, all to set me up. And it kind of goes back to this, uh, that perfectionism thing mm-hmm. where if I, if anything was out of order in that routine, I felt like I couldn't have a good game Mm -hmm. or I couldn't succeed. So it's like I had to basically line everything up in order to be successful. But yeah, like you go back to the, like the army and where I'm at now, I do think that the way I was raised and how my just mentality is, it's, it's a pretty good fit for what I'm doing right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, yes, I would say so as well. So when I hear that, and I, and again, I totally see that and agree. But um, in high school, if that structure were thrown off, what would happen? Are you what talking? For- yeah, generally speaking, like if your pregame routine were thrown off, what would you do in high school? Freak, I'd freak out. Freak out. <laughs> freak out. I'd str- I, sh- I did struggle. Even in at college, there was a story where one of the – we had game loops, home and away game loops, and at the time, I'm a freshman, and I still wore the same – not same pair of socks, but they were like my lucky socks or something. Mm-hmm. They forgot to switch them over to one of the game loops. And luckily, I had people there that really cared about me, and they knew how much of a big deal it meant to me. And – they were like, oh, my gosh, Matt doesn't have his, his socks here. They're, we're, like, on a away game, and they're scrambling, running around. But in the pregames, I mean, I was I was in my head. I'm, like, trying to convince myself, like, hey, it's just a pair of socks. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, like, you're still – it doesn't take away for all the hard work that you've done. Because, obviously, socks don't translate over to <laughs> how well you perform. How well you play. Game, right. Or how mm-hmm. for – Yeah. But it's just you feel you feel off. Mm-hmm. I felt off, and a lot of times I would get in my head, and I would, but I would also be trying to talk myself out of it. But deep down, I'm knowing I have this discomfort, and I know that I, like, there's something wrong in the process. There's something long, wrong in that chain of that routine that I've been doing. And but, I mean, luckily there was a few times over, especially my college career, where. Yeah, Dave, my socks, my something went missing or something was out of whack. And I learned to kind of grow out of that. Hey, like I can still perform at a high level regardless of what I do up to the game or what I do in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's not, it's not, it's not the routine. I mean, it's always, I'm a big, um, how do I say it? advocate for routines and setting yourself up because going through the same thing, like you want to approach every game the same way, every, every event, every, whatever it is, whether it's a test you're taking, you want to approach it the same way. So that way, 
like you said, you're lined up for success. Um, but the work that you put in outside of that is far more important. Like the training, the little drills you do, lifting, everything you've done in the preparation aspect in that part um, is far more important than what you do 30 minutes before this test or this game or whatever it is that you're trying to we'll call it a test whatever mm-hmm. you're being tested at mm-hmm. um but yeah the pre- plan like the preparation for it is far more important i learned that um in college because we would be i mean it's just a hectic hectic schedule you're it's much different than high school where you're yeah. local and you're just going right down the road generally speaking like you're traveling you know 20 minutes versus in college like basketball is your life and you're mm-hmm. traveling across the country or like there's just a lot of more a lot more opportunity for uh slip ups to happen for yeah, definitely a, a lot more moving parts yep um and then i imagine like the army probably sped that up too like just as far as your ability to just let go of like oh, if yeah. things aren't going the way that you expect them to go like I just got to let it go and I got to move to the next thing. Yeah. It's Hey, you have five minutes to get your clothes on. Let's go. And it's like, uh, okay. So you just <laughs> run. You just, it's just, you just scramble. Yeah. You just, you just scramble. Like there's a lot of things is hurry up, like hurry up, hurry up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just don't have time to think about all that stuff. It's just, you mm-hmm. just, you have the end goal and you just do everything you can to get to that end goal or whatever that task is. You just, go as fast as you can and get the job done. Hope you have everything you need for it. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So what has that, like what has being in the army then taught you about that? So th- it sounds like you were telling me about when you're training, um, when your trainings you did recently, when, when did we talk? Maybe about a month ago. Yeah. Um, and how you had to trek to a certain area and like there was all this snow and you were pushing it out of the way with your gun and this, that, and the other thing. And, um, you figured out that, I don't know, the packs weren't going to work or the, 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 uh, um, what am I trying to say? The tents weren't going to work out because they were the wrong material or something like that. At any rate, I don't know. How does, like, how did the army teach you to deal with this situ- like unknown situations? Like, that's all you're dealing with in the army. Like if you actually went to war, it's all unknown. It's all mm-hmm. unknown. So yeah. how did you start to like be able to adapt to that? You just well, didn't have it goes, <laughs> <laughs> it, it making, making, uh, something out of nothing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it goes back to the, just the training. Um, you're thrown into, so many different situations, so many different, I mean, that's part of the reason why they encourage lieutenants to go to ranger school is so that you are basically thrown, like everything's thrown at you. You're sleep deprived. You haven't eaten. Like you only eat two meals, sometimes one a day, like less than three hours of sleep. So they put you through it. They put you through almost every situation scenario that you could possibly face in combat and when we do these training exercises so like obviously you graduate ranger school and you go to your unit um and i got blessed to be up in alaska (laughs) in the great outdoors um which ironically is i think where you should be not 
Alaska maybe, but the great outdoors is definitely right. So I think that part was right. Yes, that part was right. That part was right. <laughs> but um, so you just you take the the overarching idea of taking care of soldiers, taking care of your guys underneath you, and so you have that, and then you have your mission, your the mission on hand that's coming from higher. All right, we have to go. I don't know, seize this hilltop or something. It's like, okay, what do I need to do in order to seize the hilltop? Okay, well, I need to bring this, 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 and this. So you have your packing list, everything you need to do your job. Sometimes things don't always make it out there. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of moving parts. Um, Mm -hmm. And you just try to make the best out of a bad situation. And with the uh, the idea of, hey, I need to take care of my guys. So, I mean, I think, I forget what it was, um, we were talking about, but it was, I was on a mortar firing point, which, if you're not familiar with mortars, they're the tube that has an... Um, Sticks in the ground and like... Yeah, shoots up. Uh, you drop like a, maybe a... I think it's like five pound uh, shell. It looks like a little grenade with a, it looks like one of those Nerf footballs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Drop mm-hmm. that in there and it shoots it out. So I'm with, I have, I had a few uh, mortar men with me and we're going out and we're doing this, uh, the 48 hour reconnaissance lane or reconnaissance mission. And that's the, the time when I was talking about, we were walking, I was breaking trail for them with yeah. snowshoes through like four feet of untouched snow. It was just powder. Yeah. We were, and we were all you're carrying heavy rocks. through. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was just a freight train trying to plow the way for them. And we finally get to our, where we're going. And I kind of knew that we weren't going to be, we weren't going to have sustainment out there as far as like food, water, um, shelter, like a tent. So up here in the Arctic, you need a warming tent. You need a tent because otherwise, say like we were breaking trail, we mm-hmm. sweat. It doesn't matter how cold it is, you sweat and you sweat mm-hmm. through everything. And being wet and in anywhere obviously below 32 degrees, which I think that night it dropped down to five degrees. But, um, and you have all the gear, like the clothes with you to sustain you in the event that you don't have a tent, but mm-hmm. it's just to keep you alive. <laughs> and not frozen mm-hmm. but um yeah we get up there and i'm like okay well we're not gonna get a tent we're not gonna get heat so it's like they come up to me sir can we make a fire and i'm thinking okay let's think is that really conducive to the mission to have a fire no we're a reconnaissance we're so far out we would be so far out into enemy lines and you obviously don't want the enemy seeing you. Yeah, you put out a fire, they can they can see you, you got smoke going up. Exactly. All those kind of considerations. But you just yep. take in a bunch of considerations and the mission and does it really affect it or what's more important? And then those those are leader decisions that, that mm-hmm. they teach you to make. And that's the stuff that like through all these leadership courses that people go through, it allows you to be able to make those sound judgments. And I was like in at the time, I was like, Okay, let's really think about it. Um is the enemy really going to walk up this hill that we just walked up? Probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope not. Unless mm-hmm. they saw our trail, 
but if they saw our trail, they're going to come right to us anyways. It leads right to us. It doesn't matter if we have a fire or not. So I'm like, all right, we're going to build a fire because honestly, at this time, I had just woken up. Like I took like a 30-minute shift from my radio and I had put my hands inside my shirt. I had my sleeves like kind of dangling. They were underneath my kit and I interlocked my fingers. Well, when I woke up, I pulled my fingers apart, but they were frozen together. Like they were actually like I had to peel them apart and I was like, oh my gosh. And I looked at the at the guys and I mean some of the dudes were just shaking uncontrollably. Yeah. It's like the Battle of the Bulge, the stuff you see on Band of Brothers, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's what we were that's what we go through every training event we train out here. Yeah. We're training, yeah. It's yep. surviving out here. <clears throat> but yeah, so I was like, We're gonna build a fire. We have to. There's it's the only way to keep us out here. And no one's coming to get us right now. <clears throat> but yeah, so it's just little stuff like that, um, little curveballs that you get, but you take your experiences, your past trainings, and you apply it to the situation. And what can this mission, like, what can you do to not, to still achieve the mission and drive on and everything? So, like, yeah, you take those past experiences, you apply it to the situation. Now, every situation is obviously different, but mm-hmm. the experiences, the preparation you've done allows you to make sound judgments. And that's basically. I mean, that's all you really can do at that point. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so what would you say to somebody who was having trouble overcoming small obstacles? Because look, like I'm in a comfortable room, like I got the AC running or the heat. I don't really know what's running right now. I'm comfortable. Like everything's fine. Mm-hmm. So the reality of the situation is like, I, I got it pretty easy and most people, got it pretty easy. They don't have to worry about going and digging themselves through five feet of snow and figuring out whether or not they need to build a fire. So the enemy can maybe, or maybe not see them and come kill them. So not that that's literally what was going on for you, but nonetheless, that's what you were training for. Like what do you say to somebody that's like in a situation that is comfortable, like, like rationally comfortable, but like they're just having trouble overcoming that small thing that seems so big in the moment. You just got to jump in. The worst part is sorry, I kind of refreshed. All good. Um, jump in. Yeah, jump in. So you just got to get 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 moving. Get just just try it. Just go. And you'll figure it out along the way. Um, that's obviously not great advice for someone that thinks that this thing is like a monumental thing. Like, oh my gosh, freaking out. But mm-hmm. once you get through something, you and, and I think it was David Goggins, it's like you have that cookie jar. Mm-hmm. I pull from a cookie jar all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I've done this. Well, I can do this now. And that's kind of also what's helped me get through some things. It's like, well, I've been through this. Well, I can definitely get through this. And it's like, even if this is, if I think this is way harder, it's like, well, <coughs> sorry. Once I get through it, I mean, you got another, another thing to pull out of that cookie jar. But as you keep facing those things that make you uncomfortable, 
I love the phrase too of like become comfortable with being uncomfortable. The more times that you've you have exposure to being uncomfortable, the easier it is to handle being uncomfortable. And I think that's like the whole like going through Ranger School, going through West Point, all that stuff. I was super uncomfortable. But now when I go through this stuff, which this is another beast out here, because mm-hmm. it could be life or death out here just because you're like you, you that could do to the elements. Um, yeah, you just you pull from that cookie jar. You're like, OK, I can I can get through this. I have like it's only we only have like 24 more hours. That's nothing. Let's do it. <coughs> but um, I think I swallowed my cat's hairs. <laughs> all right brother well that's good stuff uh the cookie jar man i love that that's um yeah. that's a great thing well i appreciate you uh i don't think you know uh that even though i've coached you most of our time together um you've also coached me indirectly <laughs> so i appreciate that I appreciate your discipline. I appreciate your ability to be the person that you are and push through all the crap that you push through um, to achieve the outcome that you are after. And um, you certainly grown into a man that I didn't. That was not the man that I started with, but yeah, that's for sure. Pretty awesome. And I had, I definitely had your help along the way to shape and mold a, a young lad like myself. So from time to time, maybe from time to time. (laughs) 